Welcome everybody back to the Game Vault Podcast. I am your host, Mark. Um, tonight I am joined by Jonathan. And, there is uh, no Jen, only John. Yes, no Jen, only John. And since you do not hear that wonderful third voice of the podcast, it's can only be one thing, Jonathan. I am now the Game Vault Podcast Highlander, because there can only be one. <laughs> yeah. I have done it. This, and, which means this podcast will be an all Elden Ring podcast. With no other topic. <laughs> Two hours of Elden Ring. No, just kidding. As much as I like that game, I don't think I could talk about that game for two um, uh, I, I probably could, but I don't think I played it in the last week or two. <laughs> so it wasn't on my list of things to talk about. Yes, which is good because it's one of the only things I played this week. So, um, yeah. So uh, this week, um, we're going to be do reviewing our retro roulette game, Acro the Acrobat. Um, and... Uh, Talking about um, in honor of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which somehow made more money than the first one or is on track to, which is kind of amazing. Um, uh, We're doing uh, video game movies specifically, not to be um, confused with our video game TV, like Netflix series topic we did before. Um, So, as always, uh, what have you been playing, Jonathan? All right. I have a list of things I want to talk about, and I'm planning to go a little bit longer than I was pl- originally intending. Since Absolutely Jen's do. Not here. I think I think I have three games, so go for it. Oh, okay. Um, so the first thing is I got really lucky, and somebody gave me their reservation for their Steam Deck, so I now have a Steam Deck. Um, nice. I was a little bit disappointed that um, it was 420.43 with tax. Because it's so close to being 42069. Um, I, would, I would have returned it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but uh, yeah, so I um, somebody gave me their reservation. It's for the um, 64 gig one, which is the smallest hard drive. Yeah. Um, and I the basically the only thing I've played on it so far is Monster Hunter World, because finally a Monster Hunter game that's available on a portable console. They've never done that before. No. For anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, (laughs) Monster Hunter was exclusively on handheld devices for the past 10 years, except for (laughs) Monster Hunter World. Um, And anyway, so, uh, but this, uh, I mean, Monster Hunter World is from a series of handheld games, even though it was on a console, like the rest of the series is in that. So it's obviously like a really good, like game format for playing um, handheld. And um, the, Steam Deck does really, I'm really impressed with the performance, I guess I would say. I have it basically on um, low graphics and stuff, and um, the resolution is like 1280 by 800, and it's capped at 30 FPS. And all of that sounds bad and like not desirable. However, the thing is that because it's on a small screen, like it still just looks fantastic. Like I, my eyes cannot tell much of a difference between that performance on the Steam Deck versus like when it is playing on my good gaming PC. Yeah, the um, um, my not um, in the specifics of computer knowledge says, um, you know, that being that over being over 720 on a handheld should be good enough. And yeah. especially being that low, you should it'll help with battery life. And if it doesn't matter, then they've already won over what the switch can do. Yeah. Um, so the, like this game looks great. Um, and I, 
I said that I got the smallest hard drive. I specifically wanted to call out that I, so I got like a 256 gig SD card and I'm using that as essentially the hard drive. Um, the load times are super fast. I, when the uh, Steam Deck was first announced, a lot people, this is one of the things that people like most concerned about is um, what would the like performance be like um, if you were using an SD card instead of having an actual like large built-in SSD inside of it. Yeah. Um, the when I was playing Monster Hunter World on my Xbox One X, it took like about a minute for it to load a mission. Like you, you're running around and doing stuff um, during this time. You're not like literally sitting there at a loading screen for a minute. But it it took a minute to load a mission. In this, it's like under three seconds, which Damn. is um, <laughs> like I think it is technically slower than the performance on my computer, but absolutely not in a way that you would ever like any reasonable person would care about um and so it's still like it's better it has better performance than my xbox one x did for (laughs) for a game that came out four years ago like when that was the most powerful console you could have um which is is pretty pretty much the as uh as much as you could ask for out of a handheld um Another thing is you mentioned battery life. That game is pretty intensive and whatever. And I still think I think I still had like three or four hours of battery life or something like that, which is pretty good. Um, And then it's also huge. However, the thing is that um, I I think I was telling you this the other day that because of, well, one, the like way you the sides, the way you hold it is uh, actually ergonomically designed to be held by a human, unlike the switch. I was going to say adult hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's not, it's relatively comfortable to like hold it. And then also because the screen is bigger, at least for me, and I am a <laughs> very average sized person with a very <laughs> average build. Um, the, because of the bigger screen, the like correct viewing distance for me is holding the, um, letting the steam deck rest on my lap while I'm sitting sitting in a chair, which means that um, it's very it, it doesn't matter that it's heavier because I'm not actually holding it up um, like I have to with my switch Vita or 3DS. Yeah. Um, same thing if I'm laying in bed with my knees bent, then I can lean the Steam Deck against my legs. And again, I'm not really holding it. And so it's pretty comfortable to use. Yeah. So you don't have to go buy any weird peripherals like you have to do with those other. T- yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I was one of the ones that bought the clip-on to the uh, Switch to make it be uh, ergonomically comfortable to hold it (laughs) and and not cramp up your hands. Um, Yeah. I I think that's the one thing. um, Obviously, I have not touched a a Steam Deck or, you know, played through it um, and probably won't for a while. But um, just the fact that even though it might be slightly heavier or a little bit more you know, um, to it than, than a switch has. Um, I think the fact that it won't cramp your hands, um, probably makes up for anything that could be a downside of that. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it seems like, and you can attest to this, um, the, unlike the switch, which seems to the battery life, uh, seems to be consistent over depending on what game you're playing. Um, this, seems like from everything I've seen that you can 
have as little or as much battery life as you want, depending on what you decide to do. Like higher graphics might be more intensive on the battery. Certain programs might be higher, you know, more intensive on the battery. You know, it seems like as Steam is, um, you know, it seems much more customizable for that stuff. Yeah. In general, I think I agree with you. So um, I earlier today, I was trying to set up Final Fantasy 14 because I've been wanting to play that in a not at a desk for a very long time. (laughs) Um, I I think I I was going to try using Vita remote play, but that's not. No, you need L2 and R2 like you hit L2 and R2 all the time. And so the Vita doesn't really work well for it. Um, I was going to try to do Steam remote play. um, And I think I. But I, I, I never got around to like actually trying it out. Um, but that is a thing I could do. Uh, so anyways, earlier today, I set up Final Fantasy 14 on the Steam Deck. And this, well, this is very funny. Um, yeah. So if you search for Final Fantasy 14 on Steam Deck, you will find an article from like March 5th or whenever the Steam Deck first came out that says, hey, good news, everybody. Fi- um, the most popular MMO in the world is playable on the Steam Deck. A way, or um, which a lot of people want because it means that you get to play this uh, extremely popular game that is somewhat slow-paced and like very well designed for a controller yeah. um, portably, which you previously could not do easily. Uh, and then you will find an article from four days later that uh, they released a patch for Final Fantasy XIV that broke all compatibility or broke <laughs> compatibility with Proton for the Steam version of Final Fantasy fourteen, They obviously did that on purpose. No, but they <laughs> haven't fixed it. Um, it's like they they updated something to the launcher and whatever they changed with the launcher, just the game will not launch. The Steam version of the game will simply not launch. Oh, so it's even but on if you computer have... Steam, right? No, no, no. Um, just on the Steam Deck. It's like oh, okay, specifically okay, just okay. a problem with Proton or whatever. Yeah. Um, however, this is the even funnier part if you have the non-Steam Windows version of Final Fantasy XIV, you can run that just fine on the Steam Deck. <laughs> oh, that's... So... We laugh because <laughs> but that if it becomes... A, well, it is a big issue. But if it's a big issue for the company, somebody lost their job because of that. Oh, no. No, Square Enix just does this shit all the time. Okay. Remember when their game was extre- uh, their expansion pack was extremely popular, and so their solution was to stop selling the game. <laughs> Remember that time that they canceled Final Fantasy Fifteen after it had been um, after they had released like two of the three DLCs. Uh, this they, is yeah. They, the, the funny thing about Square that I love is that you won't hear a peep from Main Square about any of this craziness going on with a Final Fantasy studio and how it's like slightly embarrassing or anything, but God forbid one of their Western studios doesn't sell 15 million copies of a game. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden they're the worst thing in creation. Yeah. Uh, uh, square. They, they get the keeps on giving at times. And yeah, more yeah. on, more on that later. <laughs> later. Uh, anyways. So um, I, I'm also excited to play Final Fantasy 14 on the steam deck, uh, but where I was going with this, my point with this was, um, that as I was trying to get this set up, you have to like edit the config file and stuff in order to get it to work. Um, And I was thinking, man, this is kind of like, I understand what I'm doing, but if you were, and I have had Linux computers in the past, so I'm pretty comfortable with all of the stuff that I had to do. But I was like, man, if you 
weren't as tech savvy as tech savvy um or even if like you just hadn't worked with linux before this would be seem really confusing and overwhelming just to get this one game to work and then i realized that even if you only played games that like work natively without anything special inside of steam um on the steam deck like only games where you just hit the install button and then it works you would still have a much much bigger library than anything or than the switch has or any other handheld console yeah um and the however this gives you the ability to also get even more games to run on the steam deck if you are willing to do this stuff and like i said the only thing i actually had to do to get that game to run was edit the config file and there were multiple like youtube videos and posts and stuff like that on exactly what you needed to change um, so it's, I feel like I'm curious to see how people react to this after the like super early adopters because of that. Like if people feel that it's overwhelming, like the stuff they need to do to get the particular games they want to be able to play to run, or if they're, if they just like ignore all that stuff and only play games that, um, work out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, so. it, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, I, I was remembering um, slightly off topic, but has to do with needing to edit stuff in like Linux. Um, I realized when I was going through and having to do the stuff I was doing for NCAA 14 to do that uh, patch and thing to put like the playoff system in there and all, all and right. editing all those files and, and things like that. Um, I, I was reminded that um, back when I had a computer as a child in the mid 90s, to run just about any game, you needed to basically know how to type code stuff in to get things like, you yeah. know, you know, backslash and all, all, you know, all those strings of text you had to put in. And I'm like, that part of my brain completely left the moment DOS was no more a thing. Like, <laughs> like I would, yeah. need, I needed to watch like out, like at least ten minute video or something just to, you know, be able to do the simple editing config files and uh, things to get just a mod working on this one game. And I'm like, man, there, there is definitely a branch and you're probably on the other branch that when that stuff stopped, just either kept going with it and got into Linux and did stuff like that. Um, or they just went to console gaming <laughs> and all that knowledge was just lost from the one section. Um, so yeah. it, it's fun to see if people rediscover that, if an older generation sort of, takes up the steam deck to figure out and go oh i remember oh i can do all this stuff and um uh or if people are just going to be like i don't have the time for this uh you know and 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 get rid of it i think that's the main thing um and i hope that if i ever get it that i don't just turn it into that there's better games out at this time that i don't just turn it into my vampire survivors machine yeah, I have seen people say that Vampire Survivors works pretty well on it, though. <laughs> Mark, you bought this three hundred dollar, four five hundred dollar system or whatever. Oh. What are you playing on it? Uh, this three hundred dollar, three dollar Vampire Survivors. Okay, this this leads into the next thing I was going to talk about. Yeah, good. Um, so there were a couple games I played on my Vita before I got the Steam. I was playing on my Vita before I got the Steam Deck, and they are like games that were originally released on the Vita as well as PS4 or whatever um and pc but and like they run on the vita however the frame rate's like really bad and so it's not fun to look at so i earlier today 
I almost, I almost rebought Knights of Azure or Blue Reflection on the Steam Deck. Like rebought Vita games on the Steam Deck so they would have better <laughs> graphics, <laughs> which would have been very ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that. <laughs> Decided yeah. I I need to not spend money on that. Yeah, you won't um, be like me who owns Final Fantasy uh, ten and ten two remaster on every single console he owns. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so the one of these that I want to talk about is um uh Blue Reflection which is a magical girl RPG. So think like Sailor Moon. Yeah. Um, but and then uh, it's turn, but it's turn based combat and stuff like that. So I was thinking of, I, I was playing this. Um, I, I'd heard good things about it. It's kind of unique in that most. Well, one, you have a female protagonist, but also like it's a magical girl story. It is specifically like for wit- an audience of women as opposed to most RPGs, which have a um, like male lead or whatever, or are at least designed with a primarily male audience in mind. Yeah, I'm think I'm, I'm including like trails in the sky in this a little bit um, that that technically has like a female character, but also like it's not just like written for women or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's, it's, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So um, I was playing this thing and I thought, um, yeah, I I I kind of like this. I think the combat's kind of neat, but also pretty light. Um, the like enemy designs are pretty cool, um, but the the plot's pretty silly because it's about um, like the main character is uh, a she's a ballerina who got injured and so she can't dance anymore. And then as soon as I thought about that, then I like started to choke up. The like it's really sad that she's. Um, she had her whole life set on being about becoming a professional ballerina. And that's like her main hobby and the thing that she loves the most. And she just can't do it anymore. Like if she tries to, then she will injure herself even more. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting emotionally attached. I get it. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, so yeah, I, I'm not too far in that, but I, I really want to finish it. Um, it's also only like 20 hours long or something like that. Yeah, so. Like- which is Very a blessing. Yeah, which RPG. is a blessing yes. for if you like those type of games. Yeah. Next thing, um, I I told you right before we started uh, recording, I guess. Yeah. Um, that I haven't played Elden Ring in the past week or two. Um, a thing I had been thinking about is that um, I one of the things I really like about the um, the action games that I've been playing lately is. Well, no, let me back up. I've been wanting to get into rhythm games for a while, um, but I just didn't and found the right didn't have a um, didn't have a time where I didn't want to like be listening to podcasts or something like that instead. And you can't like listen to podcasts or other music while you're playing a rhythm game. (laughs) Um, So uh, the reason for that is there's a Monster Hunter streamer that I watch sometimes who's extremely good. They've been speedrunning um, Monster Hunter games for like eight years or something like that. I think I saw one of their videos from like 2014 or something. It's a very long time. And they're they're very good. And um, I was watching their streams. And then um, one day, they weren't streaming Monster Hunter. They were streaming Muse Dash, which is a, which is a rhythm game. Um, okay. And they, I, I see them pull this up. And they're playing on like the hardest difficulty. And um, just all of these notes, 
so many notes going quickly. I can't even process like what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and I was like, oh, that's how they're so good at guard points with charge blade because they they've got the rhythm down. Um, they're good at rhythm games. They're good at pressing buttons in response, like with the right timing in response to like sounds or um, uh, um, actions on screen and stuff like that. And so that made it click to me that action games are a lot of action games are basically just rhythm games. Just they don't show you notes on screen. It's somebody swinging a sword at you. Um, but a lot of times it'll be like dodge, strike, strike, dodge, dodge, heavy, dodge, strike, strike, dodge, heavy. You know what I mean? Um, so I've been wanting to get into rhythm games. I started yeah. playing. Um, I played a decent amount of. Um, well, there's also a rhythm game I'd heard really good things about. It's like an indie game that is sort of out. They did like uh, released a few songs, but they're planning to release like the full game later on. Okay. Um, called Unbeatable, Unbeatable, which is very cool because it's like a, um, well, one, it's an indie rhythm game, but two, it's all pop punk songs and like a lot of original stuff, um, okay. which is very different from most of the other rhythm games that are out there right now because um after rock band uh, you know kind of disappeared most of the rhythm games that are around are um electronic music or japanese stuff and yeah. so there's just like not that much pop punk music included in those normally yeah. um it's a two button rhythm game which means that um, exactly what it says there's yeah, only two buttons of it now so we what i'm looking at photos of it now while you're talking. oh yeah um, two button rhythm game. So you only hit two buttons. Um, it's it's only on PC, and so it's like D and K or something like that. That's what it says. Um, yeah. So the thing is, I really want to like this game, but it's just Muse Dash beats it like by a lot. It's not unbeatable. It's very very handily beaten by Muse Dash, <laughs> which is also a two button rhythm game. Um, but there's a couple major advantages here. One, it's play it Muse Dash. You can play it on your phone. And this is a two-button rhythm game. So the way it works on your phone is you use your two thumbs. Yeah. So you either tap the right side of the screen or the left side of the screen, which is like both very easy to do and also very satisfying. Um, and huh. you... No, I'm just thing. looking at all this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, when you were mentioning the uh, rhythm games or like or action games are like the same thing, I realized that I am not great at either, which might explain why my rhythm in Elden Ring sometimes is just slash, 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 get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but if you, yeah, and so. It's, yeah, if, now maybe maybe it's one of those things like you gave me the advice on some things in first-person shooters. Maybe if I start <laughs> thinking of it like that, yeah. I'll get better at Elden Ring. That's that's why I have been doing this. And I, I think, like, I, I started playing some rhythm games a while ago and then took a long break for them and just started again, like earlier this week when I was on a trip. Um, and I did notice a bit of improvement myself in playing action games after I yeah. tried some of these out. Um, but what I was saying is the, the thing about Muse Dash that Unbeatable doesn't have is that when I'm playing, I was playing Muse Dash on the airplane um, two days ago or whatever. And I did a full combo on three songs in a row my first try playing that song because all of the notes feel right. Like okay. you just start, I just start tapping my foot um, to the song and uh, bopping along. And then I hit every, 
I've got the timing perfect for all of the notes and um, the, it just feels so good yeah. that to just be moving to the music, which <laughs> this sounds like a really basic thing, but I don't know a better way to like explain this. And yeah. it's like, that's, I'm just describing that it's a good rhythm game, but like it's, it's a good rhythm game. And that's the thing I'm trying to convey. Um, whereas with unbeatable, it felt like, I had to learn when they wanted me to push buttons. It did not feel like I was bopping along to the song. Um, the downside of this, however, the reason that I wish that I liked Unbeatable more is because Mustache has like a decent amount of gross waifu stuff in it. Um, I can you see can that. generally ignore it, but it's still <laughs> like there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Google image search for that brings up exactly what you're yep. talking about. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, that's rhythm yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will take your comment about Rock Band and say I just turned it into a karaoke game. No, I don't. Oh, okay. even, I think my guitars are in my garage. I think if oh, I, yeah. not garage, I'm closet. Jesus. Um, I wish I had a garage and have more places to put stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think my guitars are and all are like in my closet. And I just have my mic stand out here. It's like anytime I fire up that game, it's like, oh, I just feel like singing some songs tonight. Yeah, oh, that works. Yeah, and it's just like, the complete rhythm part of the game is just gone to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was I was thinking about it as you're talking, you know, getting better. I think the best I've ever been at like action games is when I played so much Bloodborne that I got into that rhythm um, and didn't get greedy mm -hmm. with it and got yeah. and that's the furthest I ever gotten in a uh, from soft game. Um, yeah. And I think it's because unlike Elden Ring, I got into the rhythm of it because if I couldn't be a magic character, I think that's my worst thing. Oh, is sure. That, you know, since I'd like to do a lot of magic spells and stuff, I lean towards that. And, you know, the melee stuff, I, I lose the rhythm. But yeah, it's, it's like one of those, like, you know, mind blowing statements you made with that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know, never thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah. The one game that ever required being like a button timed thing, I, you know, was the one I got good at. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see, you know, just looking. Obviously, I'm looking at still images of the games you mentioned, and I can see the complete um, differences in style between them, and why you would want why you were one was better than the other. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of that. Um, yeah. Any anything yes. else? It is now time for my long rant. <laughs> Go right ahead. Okay. So earlier this week, um, I well, I guess I've. Is, is this about playing about what? Oh, it's I was trying to do the uh, the uh, the shortened pe way people have um, shortened so as Stranger of Paradise. Safo? Safo? Yes, Safo. Yeah. Safo, yeah. Um, not not quite. So um, I have started playing Final Fantasy 14 off and on with um, Bex, Roxy's cousin. And um, he said earlier this week, hey, does anybody want to do Palace of the Dead? And I was like, uh, hell yes, absolutely. When can we do this? I'm free on Thursday. Um, and because Palace of the Dead is a roguelite super dungeon. Yeah. In in like an entirely separate game mode where um, that that is that you you go in with a group and you go through it's a total of a hundred levels Jesus for the most part. And you can stop it. Um, every 10th or every 10th floor has a boss. And when you beat that boss, you can leave like save your progress and leave if you want to. But like, it's a super 
long dungeon um, with procedurally generated uh, levels, randomized enemies, and um, a bunch of like the items you would see in a roguelike. Like you'll get um, things that increase your party's damage by 30% for the floor that you're on or something that'll disable traps on your current floor or um, there's some that'll like turn temporarily turn one of your party members into like a manticore or something like that. Yeah. So they've got stronger attacks, these kinds of things, roguelike stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's also like very good for leveling. So I, I was a little bit, but I was a little bit surprised by this because um, Bex's guild is not very like hardcore in that way. They're not like we want to do super challenging things. Like they're very much into MMOs, but not like that. Bex wanted to do this for the lore. <laughs> he wanted to do this roguelite super dungeon because it continues the story from of one of the side characters from one of the si- uh, main story missions. This is a very brief character, briefly mentioned character that I did not even remember existed. Um, <laughs> So it doesn't like, surprise me that he okay. would do it for that reason. Yeah, I was like, okay, I sure we'll do it for the lore. I didn't know there was I didn't remember that there was lore in here, but okay. <laughs> um and so we're talking about this, and um I said, you know, if wait, Beck said they hadn't played any Final Fantasy 14 game or any Final Fantasy games other than 14. And I said, you know, if you're willing to put up with any amount of bad gameplay for good character designs, you should absolutely play Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> As someone that beat and played 62 hours, um, yeah. which they showed me in a certificate-like thing when you beat that game. Okay. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Yeah, I, I don't... Palsadet is, like, good. I really like it. I think I already mentioned that. Yeah. But just this this concept of going through bad gameplay that you don't really like because you like the story and stuff. Yeah. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because like, this is Tetsuya Nomura's fan base. Like this is the entirety of the people who like his games is not the entirety, but a very large portion um, that a lot of, uh, so now I am talking about stranger paradise, stranger paradise, like most of Nomura's stuff has like a, really good, interesting premise. And when you're playing the game, you can see all of the really cool things you could do with this and all of the like great character interact character beats that you um, that you could have coming out of this. And um, like all of these really interesting interactions and a um, like different paradigm than you get from lots of other Western media. But then it just completely fails to like execute it well, like basic writing and also does not do any of those interesting things that you can very very clearly see um inside of the story that they're that they have like <laughs> told you that they are going to tell but then yeah. don't tell um the, if you're willing go ahead the fun part of this rant is that um i've had someone spoil to me the ending of the game yeah um and it's just funny hearing you build up to what you're talking about here yeah Hundred percent true. So, if you're willing to do, like, rephrasing what I just said, if you're willing to do lots of legwork and fill in, um, fill in all of the gaps in the story that's there, then all of those stories of like games that Nomura is associated with um, 
are really satisfying in a style that you're just like not going to see anywhere else. Um, and even if I think they're like generally bad games and poorly written and whatever, they still have like really high production values. And like I said, good character design and stuff like that. Um, but again, the writing is just not focused on the things that like people very clearly want out of these stories. For example, the most obvious thing is how many people in the Kingdom Hearts fan base talk about like, I love Kyrie, man. I wish I hope Kyrie's a big part of this next game. You know what they're never going to do? Make Kyrie a big part of that game. Even the game that has her face on it, Melody of Memories, that they like sold as being a Kyrie game. She is not the main character. She is not a significant <laughs> part of it. She's asleep the entire time. Oh. <laughs> it's like not yeah. to I keep equating things to other things, but it's like um the it, the whole part of I believe I haven't beaten it in a while, but like how Legend of Zelda 2 is Zelda 2 is essentially the same. You know, Zelda's like the namesake on the thing, even back then, and for the entire mm-hmm. game, she's asleep. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Like, it's not even like she's a part of the story like she is in all the other games. Um, it's literally like, oh, the princess is asleep. You must go on this mission. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe it's a Japanese thing. It's probably very much oh, a Japanese thing. I, I mean, I don't want to get into that. But okay. th- I mean, the thing is, the thing. <laughs> The reason that like people target Nomura so much with this stuff is because he will have these like really cool um, designs for female characters that people really like that are that have like a lot more yeah. care and stuff and are I guess representatives of subcultures that don't get brought up in like big budget media that much. Yeah. Um, but then they just don't do anything with it. Um, so the yeah yeah the, the thing the with strangers. Go ahead. I was like, the end of that game's a doozy. So So I finished Stranger of Paradise, and it's just not good. Like, I think the action sucks a lot um, because of the changes they made to the Neo system. Like, it's not a Neo game. It's extremely different. And all of the changes they make really just frustrate me. Um, It feels like the level design is... The level design is absolutely not designed with a, like, Souls-like combat system specifically like Neo in mind. Yeah. So it just sucks. It's miserable. Um, and then also the ending of the story. So like it's, it's fascinating that on the one hand it's extremely well telegraphed or it's extremely well, well, I don't want to say well, it is telegraphed very obviously the entirety of the game. And they just like, so like in the first hour, it is very obvious what is going to happen in the end. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't played Final Fantasy one, um, but and then they just like don't do anything to develop that or make it more interesting um, until you could argue that at the very, very end, they add on to that in any way. Yeah. However, it's it is both simultaneously like the most shallow alternate read on something that you could ever do. Like and I'm 12 and this is deep kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. And at the same time, it's also just like not coherent at all. It's both really shallow and simplistic and obvious, and also very incoherent. completely incoherent. <laughs> um, like just trying. I I finished the whole thing, and I was like, okay, so we're defeating the darkness, which is evil, but it's bad that we're doing that, but it's good that we're doing it, and so we need to stop doing it, but then so that we can then do it 
so that we can then not do it. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't make any sense at all. I, I understand what you're trying to go for, but like it, it you haven't yeah. explained anything and it's clear to clear that you do not understand what you're trying to say. Um, yeah. And then also what they do with all the characters at the end. One, it's very obvious that like they have, it doesn't match any of their personalities or like anything they do in the entirety of the game. Like it very specifically doesn't. They're like, oh, the punching man, he's now going to become the master of magic. And your mage, she's now gonna, um, she's now going to smash things um, with uh, with um, bludgeoning attacks uh, w- with her fists and stuff. the The person who had all this, um, the person who was the tank and the red mage, they're they're now the one who uh, does lots of sword things and no magic whatsoever. <laughs> so it's just yeah. like you look at it and you're like, oh, this person should be should do this, and this uh, you should switch this person with that person, and also. If you had had like any, um, you should have had any conversations that developed the like characters like at all in any way throughout the game. And it should have been that this character would have this personality and they would interact with this character in this way. And then the other two would bounce off of them like blah, blah, blah. It's, but no, they just don't do any of that whatsoever. And then at the end, they're like, you care about these characters, right? I'm like, no, none of them have ever. I don't know anything about them. I, I literally know nothing about them other than their names. Yeah, it yeah. Uh, one of the best reactions to the, how that game ends and um, and all that is some, somebody I just saw without context, and you have to have played through the through a lot of Final Fantasy to get this. It's like, oh man, I can't wait to see how they're gonna do the Kefka organ or uh, you know origin story and how he he like wanted to lose all along. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's going to be he's going to see the success of this game. I'm assuming it was successful monetarily. I'm not sure, uh, but um, oh, there was a news story the other I saw. I think it was earlier this week um, that it was below ten concurrent players on Steam. <laughs> Less than a month after it came out. Oh, but the Square get all their money. No, I've seen like I've seen like let uh, maybe five people post positive things about it and literally no one else talk about it. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Um, but they'll, they'll be all ready to make another game in, in that, in that genre before they give, you know, the, uh, the, the guardian studio a chance to do guardians too. Yeah. Expanding on what you're talking about square very famously is extremely lenient with all of their Japanese properties. And like, it doesn't matter how much money um, it costs or how poorly it flops or whatever. They will do anything to prop it up and make another game and whatever. However, yeah. for any Western, um, they publish a lot of like Western games that are not RPGs or anything you would normally think of being associated with Square. Um, and they will like a lot of them are like smaller budget games or more niche or whatever. And um, Square will be like, all right, this small um, independent game from a Western studio, uh, your target is to make, sell 15 million copies then maybe we'll think about doing some marketing for you. <laughs> but if you don't sell 15 million copies launch week without us doing yeah. any promotion whatsoever, then you're cut off. You're not allowed to do updates. Um, no DLC, no second game, nothing like that. We're considering the flop. It's kind of amazing. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, yeah. It, <laughs> but Kingdom Hearts 4, yay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, is that the... Uh... That's the end of my rant. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. This one, and yeah, so we'll move on. Uh, I'm assuming you don't have any other games, right? You're holding that one no, for last. No, that was, that was the entirety of yeah. everything. All right, so moving on to me. Um, I'm going to be slightly shorter because I haven't played many variety of games um, this week. Um, one thing I would talk about, let's get the Elden Ring stuff out of the way um, first. Not much deeper. I haven't... Um, I I don't know if it was on the podcast. Maybe I've done it within the two weeks, but um, I beat the second um, major boss, I guess you could call it, of the game um, and unlocked the ability to respec, which I did. Um, didn't get many levels because I thought the respec would like allow me to take points away, but it, what it does is it takes you down to whatever your the base numbers um, that your class had, and you can't go any lower than that. Um, so, yes. So, so I couldn't like throw faith down to like four because I'm not doing anything with faith. Um, you should. Every yeah. single character should have at least ten or twelve faith. Yeah. So, well, I think um, it, yeah. Just for cure poison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. I didn't think about yeah, that stuff. Yeah, like I that. had. The, I think the main thing that made me mad. I just faith as an example because I um now I might need to put some stuff in it for that um thing, but I wanted to get my strength like to ten. Um uh or below um just because i have a shield but i don't really use it so um uh but i could only go prisoner has an 11 starting class so i only gained like three points from doing the whole respec um the thing i did more was sort of knock down my vigor a bit and you know up my intelligence but yeah that enough boring respec stuff but um yeah so i beat um that boss i beat the uh the fireworm thing, um, you know, it leads to the northern, northwestern, northern part of the map. Uh, fought an ancient dragon until it flew away. So I'm assuming I'm going to fight that thing again. Um, got a couple more ashes that I love. Um, the one ash that I've seen, you know, the summons that I've seen in um, streams that I want to get is stuck behind a boss that I don't think I'm ever going to beat anytime soon. Uh, just because of my build. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, what, I think his name's Oleg or something. Um, he's, he's, he's down at the bottom of that, um, first place that you would use a sword stone key in. Um, the, uh, Oh, that thing sucks so much. Yeah. Yeah. So he's behind that. Um, as yeah. a magic user in a small room. Yep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, but I'm upgrading all my other stuff and they're helping me out a whole lot. Um, yeah. I only summon human players when needed because for some reason, Anytime I need to summon human fighters for something, nobody's around. So I must be way earlier or at earlier spots in the game where nobody wants to help you. Um, uh, I get to, I get to the big bosses and they're all over the place. But any of the minor bosses that have good stuff behind it, um, nothing. But um, but I've gotten through them um, with perseverance. But it's kind of funny. Um, the most fun thing I've done. Um, is I got I um fought the black assassin in that small tiny room. Um yeah. where you you summon black the, I believe his name is. Um yeah, oh, in the yeah. catacombs. Yeah. And I that room is so tiny that um I summoned the player character to help me with it too. And like the three of us trying to fit in that room, I didn't know where anybody was. So I was just dodging in the corners and throwing up the the uh you know the the dagger spell thing, and then just rolling to another corner. Um, and it's it, it was just I finally got done it and beat it. Um, and it unlocked the the main thing, and I beat that guy. 
Um, but yeah, the, the the whole thing I'm doing now is just going around and trying to collect things. And um, and I don't care what this looks like, but I do search things on you know the the wiki or, or yes. guides. That's good. Just sort of like, That's hey, where's this thing at? Yes. Um, when I see someone talk about it. Um, so yeah, that but is that is correct. That is a yeah. lot of the appeal is the like working collaboratively with people like that outside of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And my final boss I beat before putting it down for the week, um, or a couple days before this podcast, uh, was I beat that dragon from the very opening of the game, that beginning dragon. Um, the only shitty part about that guy is that he kept, um, flying up to where nothing could hit him. Um, okay. Onto like a, oh. onto a cliff. And he would just stand there, and I'm I like, see. okay, like, I can't get you. I can't even get up there with the horse. Um, <laughs> like, there was no thing to blow the horse up. Um, to get yeah. there, and I'm like, all right, I just got to wait for you to come down. <laughs> and just sitting. And then he dropped down, and my summon and I just destroyed him, and it would take, like, half his health bar, and he'd go away again. <laughs> up to the spot. I was just like, I could have had this done in, like, two minutes. Weird. If you keep going up to the unhittable spot. Um but yeah, it's still a lot of fun to me. Um, I'm probably going to be doing that slow uh, drop off of it where I'll play it throughout the year, um, but not, you know, as consistently because I want to start playing other things. I've been putting off Tunic for too long, which seems like much more of my game um, than, than than even Elden Ring is. But um, I think that's the main thing is uh, is it's I, I I'll say this about the other games. Um, Dark Souls 2, I played for a while because. I just got into it for some odd reason. Dark Souls. Dark Souls is the weird one. I think I said this to you before, Jonathan. I don't, I can't find my old save. So I don't know how far I actually got in it and how far I've watched other people get into it. Right. So, um, because I've watched multiple people beat it to completion. Um, but I know I beat uh, Ornstein and Smoke. That's, um, yeah. that's a lot of people I have talked to about these games consider that beating the game because. Like you have gone through all basically all of the good levels and the game's just like too long. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. and a lot of the fights after that point just suck. <laughs> so you beat the game. Yeah, yeah, I beat Dark Souls. Um yeah. and Dark Souls three I just I liked it, but I just couldn't for some reason it didn't catch me. Um I guess it was because I was coming off playing Bloodborne. Um because that came out in between, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's why it didn't hit me, and then Elden Ring was just um you know, getting back on that horse, no pun intended, um, right. with that. But yeah, so I'm playing that. Um, I uh, download it because um, I have the, the new Series X that I have. Um, I grab the, uh, on the sports game side, I grab Madden. Um, the funny thing I did with it was um, I immediately just, uh, just for fun, just to see how the relocation thing worked, I chose the Jacksonville Jaguars and immediately moved them to London. Um, and the fun part is the game does not acknowledge that that is like, how are all these teams just flying back and forth to London all the time? Um, and just the, the logistics of it of, um, you know, I go, you know, when you're going on road trips and stuff and back and forth, it was just funny that it's just like, they deal with London as though it's in North America. Like there's no mention of it. I just find that like, like you're going to give me the option of this team, maybe make some special dialogue in the game about it. Like. Um, but it was kind of funny. Um, and I think I'd said to you guys, um, or with, uh, Jen on last week's thing, the stadium creator and MLB, the show is bringing out such city builder vibes to me. Yeah. 
in trying to figure that out and put all that stuff together. And it's just, it's ridiculous. I'm like, why is this even in here? This, this doesn't need to be in here. Like, it does not need to be this complicated. Like, most people that play sports games won't do this. Um, like, and, but it, that's great. Um, and uh, I think the thing I had the most fun with over these two weeks was, I don't know how fun it was for the audience, but that that game show um, rum uh, switch shuffle I did was pretty funny. Um, yeah, because, that was interesting. Yeah, it was just, just going back between all the different things and getting pissed, and it led to my favorite moment on stream in months um, <laughs> that, I, that we tweeted about. So if you want to go find it, find their Twitter. It was about things you can lease. And I got the two obvious things, apartment and car. (laughs) (laughs) And then my chat helped me with an answer that was obviously a joke, but led to the idea of of that concept. Um, So it'll be up on YouTube soon. And also, I'll just say it here, but, you know, uh, it's it's a lot better watching the reaction to it. Um, You know, leasing a wife is (laughs) it's a concept that's ridiculous. Um, So kept them hanging made them watch the video yeah they're not going to <laughs> i i have this with with this endeavor Taking we do here you. i have no um illusions of grandeur in, in terms of that kind of stuff i'm just like they're probably not sitting through two hours of video for this one family feud moment oh um, i assumed you clipped it oh i did not <laughs> okay well that would have been the smart thing <laughs> if if jen was here she would she would have clipped it yeah Maybe she did. I don't know. It it wasn't on there when I downloaded the video. But um, yeah, that stuff's good. And I am just. um, And the one other thing, hopefully, I'll have a report on next week is I'm starting. I'm going to clear out a little bit of my living room here and maybe actually try out Beat Saber on my Quest 2 that I have. Um, I've been mostly playing Super Hot on there. Bringing it back to rhythm games. Yeah, bringing it back to rhythm games. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just been playing super hot and realized I needed to make a little more space because, you know, I've been coming way too close to hitting my computer chair. Um, and then my nieces got their own quest, too, and uh, their dog was utterly confused about what was going on. He's this, okay. he's this little tiny dog, and he just sort of stood in the middle of the room while the other one's, like, punching and kicking. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Just move. But, yeah, yeah, it was it's been a fun experience, but... Yeah, like I said, I didn't have as much as, as Jonathan this week because I, I mostly been running around in Elden Ring and losing runes and doing things over and over again because I'm not really good at the game. Um, but it's still fun, and I recommend it for anybody that likes any of that stuff. Um, and so that leads me to, um, speaking of VR, uh, leads us into the news section. Um, and it looks like I'm going to pull it up. Um, um, Facebook, I will not call them meta. Um, uh, had a like, uh, like sort of a direct type deal sort of thing on games coming to the Quest Two. Um, a couple of them are obvious, like tie-ins, like there's a Walking Dead thing, and the NFL is doing a, uh, um, a thing where you can compete, you can do drills, um, which probably won't be fun. Uh, the fun ones that I saw was um, they're doing Among Us VR. Um, I okay, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so. Um, oh, it's for the mini games. I was like, how do you yeah. translate a 2D game to VR? But it's no. it's that you do the mini games through. You do VR. the mini games. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, okay, that's something to do. Um, and they're doing Moss Book Two, which 
from anyone else that has had an Oculus or stuff since the beginning, they said Moss is probably one of the top three games um, that was made for the system when it originally came out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that is. Um, and then they're doing a game, uh, Ruins Magnus, which the art style looks kind of interesting. It's a VR JRPG. Um, and uh, you, you play as a magician. So maybe it's something for me. Um, but the one thing um, that I might actually buy from this list, Jonathan, um, they're doing uh, Cities uh, VR, like City Skylines. Okay. Yeah. So um, of, of the types of games I play, this one is probably the most up my alley, this one here. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm going to see how much it is when it comes out um, next week um, and see if it's any fun to play. And for those of you out there, um, they're adding the Mercenaries mode to Resident Evil 4 if you have Resident Evil 4 VR. Um, so for those of you that like that, they are adding that um, because everybody's been yelling about it. Um, and then speaking of Beat Saber, they're doing a DLC. But but the most important one, not so much for me, but for uh, maybe someone that would be watching this, um, they are doing a Ghostbusters VR. I don't know. He needs to buy a gaming PC before he can think about a <laughs> VR headset. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but I, I, that was the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, oh, man, sad that Jen's not here. She can't pass along this news. She'll have to, you know, wait till Monday. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So that those are VR. It looks like people are actually releasing games for it that, um, you know, have some, you know, um, it's not just stuff that would have been on the uh, phone VR thing. Um, so we'll see how this goes, especially with, you know, Names like the NFL and all get involved with it. Um, maybe it's a slight turning point for it. Um, and uh, so we'll get into the regular news. I'll put it in order here since I only had a real transition for that one. Um, it looks like Splatoon 3 is coming out September 9th. Um, I think that was that was what originally that Xenoblade, right? Was supposed to be September. Um, so for those of you that like Splatoon, um, the, the third game will be out for the Switch on September 9th. Um, they moved up Xenoblade to July 29th, if you were looking for that. So, um... You hurt my brain by comparing Splatoon and Xenoblade. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah, it basically it's just for a release date thing, which means that there's... Right. I think there's, like, an opening now in, like, November for a Switch game, where, where Splatoon 3 used to be. Um, they may not release anything, or that might be... People are speculating that might be where the the uh, the Zelda HD collection thing with Wind Waker and Twilight Princess might slide in. Oh, um, yeah, with with Breath of the Wild probably coming in 2023 now. So yeah, um, yeah. So that um, for those of you out there that like uh, skateboarding games, um, they have the pre-alpha footage of Skate Four uh, leaked onto the internet. Um, it is very pre-alpha in terms of. Like, there's not much um, that you can do with, uh, uh, like, character models and city models and all that stuff. It's all very bare bones, and but, but it's just sort of showing you how they're um, going to be, you know, uh, maybe trying to make it a little more modern player game than, than the original skates were more simulation. So that was interesting for any of you that want to go check that out. Um, I know it's on... Um, I believe it is on uh, Jeff Grubb's Twitter and a couple other um, video game journalist um, stuff. His is just easiest to find because it's at Jeff Grubb uh, Twitter. 
uh, Nintendo Switch, the online um, uh, expansion pack service, announced that you get three more Genesis games. And, and Jonathan, wait until you hear these. Um, you're going to get Space Harrier 2, Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball, and probably the best one of these, Shining Force 2. And that's... I do actually like Shining Force 2 a lot. Yeah. But I played it on Game Boy Advance. Yeah. It's like, and that is it. <laughs> um, so what, what it seems like um, in this story that, that I'm getting from Games Beat here um, says is that um, notably all the games that seem to be coming to this expansion pack on the Genesis side are all Sega published games. Um, like they haven't been able to sure. rip in any of the third party ones yet. Um, so maybe they're just going to exhaust all the Sega published ones before they do anything. But it seems to be taking a while. Um, so um, for those of you that uh, love those games and, you know, uh, maybe they're hitting on the, the popularity of Sonic 2 um, by releasing Spinball. Um, for any people that. who like those games, you probably want to turn off this podcast before we get to Arrow the Acrobat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, we For you, we didn't review the uh, rest um and the um interesting thing that i um i should have i forgot this was a vr thing i should have put it in the vr section um i saw an announcement that the uh codemasters is gonna try and add vr support for their f1 game uh, so you know driving in an f1 car in vr um which can either be probably really cool or uh vomit inducing um because I don't know if there's going to be any kind of, you know, car sickness stuff um, involved with the motion um, with that. But um, kind of interesting um, that now you can have the full setup of having a racing wheel pedals and a VR headset and act like you're actually in an F1 car. Um, if you if you go that way, you can now start to uh, uh, challenge the uh, flight simulator perverts uh, in terms of setup. Uh, and last but not least, um, I may have, you may have seen on Twitter, um, but uh, Amy Henning, uh, famous uh, uh, game director, designer, um, is finally going to her studio, Skydance um, New Media, is going to get to make uh, their Star Wars game um, that got canceled by EA. Um, Lucasfilm has uh, tapped her to do it. Um, I don't know if it'll be um exactly like i believe it was 1313 or whatever it was called um uh that ea uh canned um but it is nice to see that she's getting an opportunity um to uh do that vision and it looks like in general just scanning over this article um that lucasfilm is trying to get a lot of the stuff um that they may have wanted to get published by ea but ea just wouldn't wouldn't give the green light to so, um, yeah, they're, they seem to be stepping forward. So if you love Star Wars stuff, um, it seems like a lot's going to come out. I think they said something like four to six games are in the pipeline right now. Um, and yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I guess the thing to mention with that is that um, LucasArts used to be a very prolific video game publisher, and they would just like pump out Star Wars stuff all constantly. And they would a lot of them would be like smaller games and stuff. And that was a really successful strategy for them. But then that kind of went away as making video games became more expensive. Yeah. And I think also probably selling to EA and whatever. Um, so I have a feeling they're trying to bring back that strategy because a lot of those games are really beloved. 
And if you like look at them, they're not impressive on their own. However, like they were very popular and people like yeah. them because people like Star Wars. <laughs> and so I, I, it makes sense for them to try that again after, I mean, really after the huge fiasco with Battlefront 2. Yeah. Yeah. It just just get those games out that you can definitely get the Star Wars fans um, interested in and hope their interest pushes it through to the mainstream and all that. I mean, uh, for those of you who don't know, Henning was the co-creator for the first three Uncharted games back at Naughty Dog. So there is a big pedigree there for those that might not know her name listening to this podcast. Um, so, um, and it also looks like they're giving her a Marvel based game as well for some reason. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that all goes. Um, but a very interesting things for those of you that, that might enjoy Star Wars games. Yeah. So yeah. that, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that Marvel thing makes sense that they would want a person who is heavily involved in uncharted to work on that because um, Avengers flopped, Guardians succeeded. The reason for that is people like the story in Guardians, people like the story in Avengers, but there wasn't much story in Avengers. No. So makes sense that they want to stay or go forward with very story-focused games like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they would have made that, that single-player thing longer um, and not wanted to rush you to the games as a service thing in Avengers. Um, I think it would have been as successful um, critically and all that as Guardians was um, because there's still an audience that would play those games and um, I can, I'm not going to rehash my rant about how they had the perfect setup to make a, a games as a service game and then they fucked it up because they thought everybody just wanted to play as their favorite superhero. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you introduce in humans. Which can take on any powers. Character creator, right there. <laughs> it's like, uh, anyway, uh, so yeah. So um, I am excited about a lot of these announcements coming up because it seems like slowly but surely um, things are starting to slip out of the, all the delays and, and bottlenecking caused by the pandemic. So it's interesting to see some new things coming out. Um, which the other release news, if you saw this, which isn't much, it was just a confirmation that uh, God of War Ragnarok is still supposed to be coming this year. So, good there. Um, that is the news. Um, our topic this week, um, because I went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog 2 last weekend. Uh, I was planning to go on my own, but uh, for the podcast, I uh, thankfully got um, asked to go by a friend of the podcast, Kitty Ashcat, um, my young niece. Um, and... She has started to understand, I think, slightly her power over me. That all she said, I said, oh, I'm off from work. I might decide to go to a movie. And she just yelled across the room, I'm seeing Sonic 2 at 11 a.m. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess that's asking me to go see Sonic 2 at 11 a.m. with her as well. Yeah. Um, so um, I also got suckered into seeing Scream this way as well, the, the newest Scream movie. Uh, so what I'll say about the movie, um, we'll start this off with a brief review of it. Um, the movie is fine for what it is. You know, it's that genre, like kid movie genre. It doesn't take any liberties with Sonic, um, unless you're really too serious into the, the lore of Sonic, which some people are, but you know, Tails is fun. Um, you know, Brent Schwartz does a great job at Sonic. Um, they have some nice Easter eggs for the older people watching it. 
Um, like they do his idol animation at one point um, in it. They have they have him um, uh, need to breathe in an air bubble while underwater. Um, so some some nice some nice Easter eggs there. Um, he, Idris Elba does nothing for Knuckles except make him incredibly sexy um, because you could have just gotten any voice actor to, to do the emotional gravitas you needed for the story they were telling with Knuckles. Idris Elba just seems to be over the top for that. Um, still good casting, but, you know, it, it's just kind of funny that you thought they were going to do something a little bit more with the Knuckles, um, but they did not. Um, he is really funny at the end of the movie uh, when they start trying to give him a little bit of a personality. Um, the f- most important thing they did, um, without spoiling how, how the movie ends, um, which I don't know if people listening to this would even care, but um, there's been those rumors floating around that Jim Carrey is not is going to want to retire from acting. Um, so the way I don't know if they knew it at the time when they did this, but the where they leave Robotnik at the end of the movie allows for both options to occur. You know, like if he retires, then okay, he's yeah, we don't have to worry about him. If he wants to come back, well, you know, he can come back. And it won't seem weird. Uh, but the post credit scene did reveal something in the only way they could go with it. Um, you can probably find it um, on YouTube and all by now. So I would suggest looking it up. I'm not going to uh, uh, spoil that. But um, you can probably guess what it is. Um, and it's because it's the only place they could go for Sonic 3. Which they are absolutely making. Uh, because like I said, this movie is probably going to end up being making more money than the first movie. Um, and I think... That number only occurred because of the pandemic, um, or else that number would have been much higher. And so, yep, short and sweet review. If you have kids, go see it. Um, the one thing I wouldn't do is try and force your early 90s Genesis Sonic knowledge on your kids. Just let them live in whatever Sonic stuff they give to them now, um, because you're, you're just going to make them hate, hate it. Um, but it is fun having my 10-year-old niece tell me all trivia about Sonic as though I know, I have no idea who Sonic is. <laughs> like she walked up to me. She goes, you know, this movie has his friend Tails. You know why they call him Tails? Because he, he has two tails. I'm like, yes. Hey. Yes, honey. <laughs> and did you respond with, I bet you don't even know what a chili dog is. <laughs> no. No, the thing I blew her mind with was um, telling her what his his name is, you know. And having it click in her head, the pun um, for that, which is always fun for me with, with people not very much in the games or just getting into games. Um, I love giving people their Phoenix down moments. Um, it is always kind of fun. But yeah, so I recommend it. Um, I had fun with it. If you want to wait for it to come to streaming, feel free. Uh, you don't have to see it in theaters. It's not anything crazy like that. But um, if you're going to watch it and if your kids are going to want to watch it on repeat, uh, there are plenty other games they could have uh, wasted your time with <laughs> in this movie. Um, so anyway, the topic this week, um, in honor of that, um, if we didn't have death on last week, it probably would have been last week's topic, um, since uh, that's when the movie came out, um, is um, what are, are some of our favorite video game movies? And um, what, I guess, game or um, series um, that hasn't been made into a movie um, that we would like to see them eventually get to, um, you know, and there's been a lot more video game movies than you think. Um, so um, I will let, I know, cause Jonathan says that he has, um, a couple of the, 
you ones that he likes. So um, I'm going to hopefully not take one of those. You go uh, first. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm, we'll start off with uh, video game movies that we really like. Um, and we'll go from there. Um, uh, I think um, one of my uh, favorite actual um, video game movies. Um, yeah, I, I guess the I, I'll, I'll say it, even though it probably gets shitted on. I had a lot of fun um, watching the Uncharted movie. I think for what that is supposed to be, um, I think um, it works really well. Um, it doesn't try too hard to um, uh, hit you over the head with a lot of the, you know, Easter egg fan servicey stuff. Um, you know, when they introduce Chloe, you know, it's not like, oh, this is Chloe. She's blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just literally, oh, that's Chloe, you know, and you sort of figure out the character yourself. So, um, little, little, little recency bias, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that one was, was kind of fun. Um, and yeah, yeah. I'll let, uh, Jonathan go next. I was really curious if you were going to pick the same one as me, uh, hands down, Number one choice, absolutely, is Doom. Yes. That's just, <laughs> it's just a good movie. <laughs> yeah. It's just a good action movie. It doesn't matter that it's, um, uh, with a lot of these video game movies, it's like, well, for a video game movie, I guess it's pretty good. No, yeah. that movie is just good. Yeah. Um, the, they, <laughs> obviously, the original Doom games don't have that much of a story or premise or anything. No. Just you're a Marine on Mars and then demons attack and that's it. And the movie like takes that and builds a good action movie out of it because obviously that's a good action movie premise. Um, And then one of the like big selling points or whatever, when that movie came out is that they have a, um, a scene that's all in first person as though it were gameplay from doom. And what I remember is that that is kind of neat and it yeah, and it's not very long. Time, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, and it doesn't really, it's not like it takes away from the movie. Um, no. I think that's probably one of the better ways that you like, if you weren't trying to do a first person sequence to reference the game. Um, yeah. I feel like that still is one of the better ways to do that scene. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I just, I stand by that. That movie is pretty good. It's been a while since I watched it, but I think I've seen it twice and I liked it both times. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that goes the same for the the other the, the last two that I have. Um, I think I purposely originally looking at my list left Doom off because I thought um, Jen might say it uh, <laughs> when we originally brought this topic up. Um, and I didn't want to I didn't want to I didn't want to steal it from from somebody. Um, but uh, so uh, we'll do one one and one. So uh I'm going to take the obvious one, uh, Jonathan, for uh, one I would like to see a movie made of, and we might be on the same, uh, you know, boat with this one. But um, I really I think there's know. something there with Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> with Metal Gear in general. Like, okay. you know, you could. I mean, you don't have to go as batshit crazy as Kojima went with some of the stuff, but there is a there is a spy movie in there um, that you can. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm laughing because um, one, I've already seen it. It's called it's you can watch it on YouTube anytime. It's called Metal Gear Solid Cutscene Supercut. <laughs> um, it's true. But also, 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. Well, good news for you. <laughs> yeah. They're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it does happen um, because that's been on the docket for years um, that they were thinking of doing it. But, you know, I'll take the easy one um, just because he has so much story between the five games and all the side games that you can, you if you're smart enough, if they were able to craft together, you know, a usable movie that, you know, was just a mash together of like, you know, the, uh, I guess it would be the, the first and second games, um, into one, you know, um, you, yeah, that'd be a good start of a series. Um, I, but yeah, I think I feel the same way about it that I feel about kingdom hearts, which is that when you, each of the games on their own is a fairly pretty cohesive, um, standalone story. And they have like, connections between the games and they have like references to things in the other games but if you try to put all of them together as like a canonical timeline of events then it completely falls apart but that's also just not the yeah best way to think about it because each game is designed um like as a standalone thing by itself and because of like the amount of retcons and stuff it seems like they it seems pretty clear to me that they didn't have like everything planned out from the beginning and so it doesn't make sense to like treat it as though everything was completely planned out from the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, and you can, you know, if there's so much you can. Where do you put the NES games in there? Um, do you, you know, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. But I think you can, you know, if you if you eliminate some of the the tacked on stuff in the first game and the second game, um, you you can you can get a good two hour movie out of you know combining just the major points of the first and second game. And don't do what Resident Evil did, um, where they just tried to get all the every single uh, you know fan service Easter egg they could into it. And even when it didn't fit, I'm looking at you, Jill Sandwich. Um, yeah, it's so so. I'll take that one. Um, uh, what what was the uh, uh, game you were thinking of for a movie? Um, I have two. So uh, I think the first one. The one I'm going to go with is Alan Wake. That mm-hmm. game sucks to play. Miserable to play it. No one likes playing it. Um, however, the you know what is good? Stephen King horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Love those things. I would absolutely watch a an Alan Wake movie. Um, I would much prefer that to yeah. playing a very miserable shooter. Yeah, I'll... Yeah. I'll, I'll cross the one I had off my list. I was going in a different direction. I was going to say control, but they're all the same universe. So, you know, um, you know, just the Alan Wake would probably of all those games that are released that are supposed to be in that, you know, extended universe thing. I think you have to make Alan Wake first and then lead it into control. So I don't partic- I didn't particularly enjoy like the gameplay of control, but that's more of a personal preference thing as opposed to like thinking that it's bad. Um, And I think control does benefit from being a video game. Okay. Unlike Alan Wake, which is true. I've, I've beaten, um, I keep staring at quantum break going, I've done the other two. Why don't I just play through this game? (laughs) And then I'm keep reminded that there's 22 minute, uh, TV episodes in there. Um, (laughs) that, that you need for some story things. Um, so that's why I keep, I'm like, cause you look at it and it's like, why is this thing 120 gigs? And you're like, Oh, it's right. It has actual video in there. <laughs> that's why. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, I think Alan Wake is definitely the one you start with. Absolutely. It's the one, as you said, Stephen King, you know, horror, all that. It's the easiest one to start the series with um, because horror movies are a lot of low risk. Um, and if you hit right, you'll hit, you know, you'll end up like the paranormal activity and just get to make seven movies um, that all are trying to chase the dragon of the first movie, um, in my opinion. But um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, do we get that question if we do uh alan wake do we get it sponsored by energizer <laughs> probably yeah yeah forgive me if it's duracell i couldn't remember which one of the battery company i don't remember either but <laughs> it's gonna be one of them yeah but uh yeah yeah very prominent thermoses and energizer batteries yeah um but yeah yeah good choice there um so um my final thing um for 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 movies uh, that I actually liked, um, I'll say, and this is not my list wasn't based on quality of movie, um, but just a personal preference of movies that I've watched way too much and get a weird enjoyment out of while watching, despite it not being terrible. Is I like that Mario Brothers movie. I will watch it. The the you know the Bob Hoskins John Leguizamo one. Um, at the time that movies release, despite all the production stuff and behind the scenes and the writing issues and the director issues and Bob Hoskins being drunk the entire time on set um, and all that stuff. And not a, not a bad way. He needed to be drunk to play that um, role um, there. It's just like when you're when you're when you're given the concept of what Mario was at that point through through Mario three, there's not much of a story there. You know, what, what exactly do you do with it if you're doing live action? Um, so track me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just you're, you're trying your best. I think they made a lot of poor decisions in it, but it, it's very memorable stuff. Um, I'm always a sucker for um, movies that make references um, to things. Um, and I I always get points for creativity in terms of. Um, I'm immediately thinking of, you know, just having Big Bertha, who's usually a fish, just be like a really large human being in this, or, or dino or whatever it's supposed to be in that world. But everything else is is just kind of crazy. I did like the the like cyberpunky aesthetic to it as well. Um, like I said, not saying it's a great movie, good movie, or even a good movie, um, but it is one I've watched a whole lot. So without having seen Detective Pikachu, you know, and any of the newer stuff that um, may be better, um, I will pick that movie. Um, yeah, for this. Um, so, uh, Jonathan, do you have another? Yeah. So, first of all, Detective Pikachu was pretty good, but that's not the thing I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the other uh, video game I would like to see adapted into a movie. Go right ahead. And this is kind of weird because it's also kind of a video game adapted from a movie. Hmm. Um Nino Kuni, which is a okay. JRPG where all of the art was done by Studio Ghibli. Which, so I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. So Studio Ghibli um, is a very famous anime studio that does um, did Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, stuff like that. Kiki's Delivery Service. I'm sure yeah. people will recognize at least one of these. Um, and so it's a the JRPG part. The like gameplay is 
fine. Um, except it's got a lot of fetch quests that are, I did not find them very fun, so I did not yeah. finish the game. Um, but the artwork looks great and stuff. And you know what? People sure do love those movies that Studio Ghibli makes. So I wish they would just do this as a movie and then I would watch it and I'd say, wow, that was pretty good. Instead of um, getting a third of the way into the game and then just putting it down because <laughs> they wanted me to run back to the previous town to talk to one person so I could then run back to talk to this person. Well, that's where you're supposed to be grinding, right? There's random battles all. The random battles are fine, but yes. Okay. Yeah, that's essentially what they're making you do there. Obviously, we've all played JRPGs and know that. Um, so basically, by cutting out all the fetch quests, we're talking like an hour and a half movie, hour and 20 story. Um, yeah, I mean, you could, it's a very simple story. You could definitely cut it down. Yeah. yeah so my final game, I was thinking, um, because there, there's a lot of other games that, you know, you look at and you, that the obvious ones, a lot of them have already been made. Um, like I was, I eliminated Tomb Raider and Assassin's Creed um, for obvious reasons um, and things like that. And I didn't want to go too obvious um, uh, with with it outside of we. I need to talk Metal Gear because both of us really love that game um, or that series. But um, I was thinking, um, I, I was trying to think through RPGs as you did, um, and I think if you eliminate a lot of the um, the dumb things they added on, um, to, cause they didn't think an RPG audience would like it. Um, I think there's a very good, um, and you could probably say they already made it with Star Wars, but there's a very good story in, um, just the core of Final Fantasy 12, um, that you could definitely make, maybe not now, you'd probably had to do it during your Game of Thrones time, um, when that kind of fantasy, you know, po- political, um, story was at its zenith um but of all the final fantasies going through my head it's the one that would be easiest to adapt if you want to do live action even um with it uh you know there are some other stories from along that series that would make great animes and probably have already been animes um but i was trying to really stick to live action um ideas and i think just a you know a you know uh, trying to take down the big evil government political type story um, set in high fantasy um, was a pretty easy one, slam dunk. Um, and you would just need to have a good writer and director head on their shoulders to do it. Um, so I know a little off the wall with some of this stuff, but um, it, it's the one that, and you can also bring stuff in from all the other evil East connected um, games um, for just political background and all that. But yeah, they Final already, Fantasy 12. They already made a Final Fantasy movie. I will not have this slander against Spirits Within. Oh yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> there I speaking no, of No, I understand it's very different, but yeah. No, no, I know. No, no. I no, my pause was my favorite thing about Spirits Within, um, I've only seen it once and I kind of forget the whole movie, but I just like how it is randomly referenced in Life is Strange, like as just sort of a one off in it. Like you, you, you like hit on like a DVD rack and something. Like, oh, f- spirits within. I remember watching this movie with with I think it was Warren or whatever his name was, and he just said, "Oh, this is great movie." Or so like they just it's and okay, you know, it's like never mentioned again. It's like it's the most random put in 
you know, because I know that game, I think it's somehow connected to Square or something um, in some it way. Or that created by Square. What? It was. Yeah. Spirits, I just yeah. knew Don't Nod. So. Oh, wait. No, sorry. I thought you meant Spirits Within. Which, no, 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 no. Um, I'm talking about the game. Like, is it, it's published by them, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but it was just of, of all of all the properties they could have, you know, mentioned. Um, it was just funny. It just really felt like and Square being the publisher of that game going, guys, we need to bring Spirits Within back. Like, <laughs> like somebody connected with it was like, put that in there. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my Spirit Within story. You guys loved it. Um, so do you have anything else for this, Jonathan? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So the one movie that I wanted to um, make sure I did, I did mention um, of, of old um, uh, video game movies um is that i will say that the the reboot of tomb raider is not that bad and i am seen as the optimist um a lot for movies if you listen to they call this movie um i think um i i think if they do a second one they may ruin it uh, it's probably going to go down the same rabbit hole as like um the original tomb raider movies and and the resident evil ones where the first one was not awful but then they just lost the thread um so if you like some, you know, action type badass um, uh, female action star movie, Tomb Raider's not a bad thing if you can find it on streaming. So that is our topic. If you have any movies that you really like that we didn't mention, you've been screaming at your podcast thing um, for the entire segment here, feel free to uh, hit us up on at Stranger Damies on Twitter. And um, if you really um, hate anything... Um, that uh, we chose here today, you can always um, send a, a tweet over to us as well at uh, Diaquano122 on Twitter. Uh, make sure you just just mention the name of the game there, nothing else in the tweet when you send it over there. Just just name of game. That is it. Uh, so uh, I know we're delaying, Jonathan, just because this week's Retro Roulette game was one that I tested the fates of the internet. Um <laughs> to give us a random game of any game um, in all of the of gaming. And it landed on Acro the Acrobat, which is a game I rented previously. Completely forgot what it was about. Seen it popped up sometimes on streaming. Um, forgot how it played. Started playing it as you saw on stream. And while you get in a rhythm with it, um, in terms of the, the way it controls and all that, the worst part about it is how punishing it is with death. If you lose all your lives, it's not like, hey, you continue at the beginning of the of the stage you died at, like if you use a continue. No, if you use a continue, which you have limited continues, it sends you right back to the beginning of that act. Um, so you essentially have to beat that game without losing all your lives at any point. I don't know if there's a checkpoint system at any point, because I only got through three levels. I know speedrunners make fun of people for being bad at this game um, because they are correct. It gives you lives and health all over the place, but you have to actually be good at platformers to take advantage of any of that. Um, the one thing I'll say is for being a mid to late uh, Genesis game, um, it does look really good um, in terms of um, background, foreground stuff, and um, just the uh, just the design of Arrow and um, uh, some of the enemies. Um, the clowns are a little generic, but you know, some of the, the, um, the other stuff you run into, like the ballerina elephant and all that, um, is pretty interesting. 
Um, I didn't get much further in it um, than what you saw on stream. Uh, but yeah, it's a game that has a good premise in terms of, you know, games of that genre of going, hey, let's do an acrobat as a platformer sort of thing. But then, you know, the goals to beat the levels instead of just being like a normal platformer where you just get to an end of a level, it makes this game insane. And probably why it's not highly regarded um, amongst um, video gamers. Uh, but um, I am very much um, interested in the opinion of, of Jonathan. If I don't know if he all his experience was watching me um, play through and uh, being woken up in the middle of the night by that clown circus music um, that constantly played, um, or yeah. if you actually played any of it. I did not play it myself. I watched you play it and then i also watched um a bit of a speed run um i think like you already mentioned i think that it looks great um and i think the dive is really neat um that's a cool attack in a 2d platformer um it reminds me a lot of the homing attack from sonic that's introduced in sonic adventure right yes um and so like way after this game came out um i so i i think that's neat um i think I think I have mentioned to you many times that I really don't like Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which is the <laughs> one of three games we have on our Genesis. Um, and I think this game seems way better than that. Um, like, because that the movement seems way better than that. Because again, famously, they marketed Sonic games as being about going really fast, but then you only do that in the first level, really. Um, the a lot of the other levels will punish you if you try to go fast. Um, this one, it feels like you do. It feels like it actually does like really take advantage of the whole Sega Genesis screen scrolling quickly thing um, when you like fly across the arena. Um, again, like you said, I feel like it's way too punishing, though. Um, yeah. I feel like when you you should have feel like either you should have infinite continues or you should be able to choose which act you want to do. Um, so that you don't have to replay the first act over and over again anytime you mess up on a new stage that you're trying to learn. Because like the maps are pretty big and they it like obviously this game wants you to like really learn all of the maps because they have you do each one three times, right? Um Yes. With the different objectives. Yeah, I think there's three different objectives. Yeah. And I like I, I like that as a general concept for a retro platformer like this, because um, it seems like a smart reuse of the same assets and stuff yeah. um, that you're doing the same level, but you're doing different things each time. And so it's not the same adds more um, uh, gameplay time, I guess, to it. Yeah. Um, however, that just seems absolutely miserable to have to go <laughs> through that. If you like mess up in the third act, which again is a brand new map in a game where you are that is all about learning the map. Yeah. Um, and then also the music needs to go a little bit less hard. Um, <laughs> same thing. The, so the first time you hear each of these songs, you're like, wow, this is a really interesting um, take on a like a piece of classical music that everybody knows. And then the second time you hear it, you're like, all right, this is this is a little bit too much. They could they could really tone this down. The third time you hear it, you're like, well, I guess I'm never going to get this out of my brain. <laughs> going to be stuck in there forever. Yeah. yeah so. It's uh, 
Yeah, it was an interesting choice. Um, hopefully, yeah, because we're we're going to try and do things a little differently with Retro Roulette. Um, since uh, I think we came to the decision, me and Jen and, and Jonathan would probably be a more frequent replacement for, for Tom than, um, you know, than the one-off guests like Death and stuff like that. Um, but the for, for Retro Roulette, um, we're probably going to try to avoid games that are on Tom's list as best we can. Um, just because it wouldn't be fair to him to play through games in his backlog, um, which is this whole point of making this podcast, to be honest, um, was to play through those games. So um, look out for more hits or misses um, as we go along here, um, as we try and navigate um, just being completely random with the choices here. But um, before we get to uh, what's next week's game, um, let's do real quick. We don't have to explain why. Um, uh, out of five, what do you give this from what you've seen? I think a three. Um, I, like I said, I think it does some really interesting stuff um, that I like a lot. But also, like you just, I can't imagine playing this game for extended periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's one of those games where I would have rented it for a weekend, played through it for that weekend as much as I could, um, took it back, and then like two months later going, oh, Acro the Acrobat. I think I remember liking that. I'll get it again. You know, sort of responses to it. Um, because I also give it a three. Um, the time period that it came out, um, you know, I think it's mid to late, depending on the month um, that it came out um, for, for for Genesis there. Um, so it looks great. Um, and once you get in the rhythm of the controls, it's actually, you know, pretty pretty okay in that respect. But I wouldn't recommend it. Um, so, without further ado, um, let us uh, spin the wheel. All right, so it looks like this week, and Jonathan, you're going to be very happy about this. Um, it looks like the wheel of games that we uh, came up with um, before the podcast um, has landed on Drakengard. Um you yeah. have the most background in this. Just uh, give a short uh, summary, um, uh, like uh, about the yeah. game. So, um, Drakengard is was on the PS2, and it's uh, there's two different like gameplay modes. One, you are uh, on the ground fighting like it's Dynasty Warriors type combat, or two, you're on a dragon in the skies like it's Ace Combat. That was the premise of the game, is what if we combine Dynasty Warriors and Ace Combat, which were both popular at the time? It is not as good. Neither mode is as good as the things that it's trying to emulate, obviously, because that's how it works. However, the thing that makes this game really stand out is that it is by Yoko Taro, person, yep. same person um, who later became very famous for Near and Near Automata. Um, Drakengard is also Drakengard is in the same universe. If you know anything about Nier or Nier Automata um, and heard me just say it's a game where you have a sword and ride a dragon, you may be a little bit confused as to how does this game lead into <laughs> the one about cyborgs? Yep. You'll have to not, play it to find out. You'll, ha you'll have to play it to find out. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, I'm very curious to hear what Jen thinks about this game, because like I said, a very large part of this game is about your character's relationship with their dragon and riding around on a dragon. Um, and she is our 
the GVP resident, resident dragon expert. Yeah. So I am excited. Um, it's a game you've been talking about for a while for us. And uh, uh, we put it on this wheel of a bunch of other games um, that we are assuming because I could not sign into Tom's back lottery um, to figure out if they're on their games. We assume that are not on there. You know, there's a good bit of horror games, um, which is a good bet um, for Tom. So I'm glad it landed on Drakengard um, for the first one. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, you could if you can find a physical copy and play it on your PS2, feel free. I would recommend visiting your Uncle Vim um, <laughs> for this um, uh, because it might be a lot easier uh, to find out instead of digging out your PS2. Where's the backwards compatibility, Sony? Um, so anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, uh, just a brief rundown of our things. We have uh, They Call Us a Movie, our movie podcast. airs every Thursday. Be sure to check that out. Anywhere you get podcasts, uh, TC Tampod on Twitter. Um, and we stream on our channel, um, twitch.tv slash gameballpod, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. Um, so be sure to like, share, and subscribe there. Um, and as Tom has pointed out, we are an affiliate of Stone Age Gamer, which apparently I have not mentioned for the previous two podcasts. And I do apologize for that. Um, so if you're looking for anything retro, um or anything for a console i think they have some newer stuff as well that you can buy um there uh go to their website use using our link um and we'll get a little bit of kickback it helps us podcast um it allows us to um possibly do some fun things in the future with the stream so um we hope that you uh head on over there once again stone age gamer just follow the uh link that i believe is in our description um it's definitely um you know on our twitch page so um Jonathan, thank you for joining me. Um, Thanks for having me again yeah, and letting you, me rant for so long. No problem. We put you in the uh, permanent chair tonight since Jen could not make it. Um, so you weren't in the squeaky, um, you know, little brother chair. That is the third chair of this podcast. Uh, so once again, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back on uh, Monday for the stream for uh, some Drakengard. Um, be sure to check that out. Um, uh, so for Jen, Tom, and Jonathan, I am Mark, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye!